Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where each week we explore the world of hospitality by chatting with its most colorful characters. Yes, indeed we do. Danny, we got to get down to business here. We do. We have a PSA. PSA. Right uh, off the top. This is important, actually. Yeah, very um, important. Yes, former guest and friend of the pod, Rob Levitt, has updated his favorite hidden gem restaurant. I, I don't recall what it was initially, but now it is Mirabella, an Italian restaurant on the north side near Addison and the highway. Across from Olive Garden. So, <laughs> is that, is so that, now is that the know. new Little Italy? Yeah. That's yeah. at the north side, <laughs> Little Italy. Uh, um, but it's the chef from Gene and Giorgetti's and, uh, and a lot of the staff from Sabatino's. Which is one of Tim's favorites. It was one Sabatino's, of Tim's Sabatino's is closed now, yeah. but it is my favorite dining experience to date. I, maybe I'll tell the story someday on the pod, um, but I won't bore you now. We will wait with bated breath. Yes. So, Shannon and I did go to Mirabella to check it out, and I agree. The food is on point. It's exactly what you want for an Italian joint. It's uh, kind of no frills, great value, really friendly staff, strong drinks, good food. I yep. enjoyed it. And tableside uh, desserts. Love which that. Which is uh, a very classy touch. A couple other bits of housekeeping for everyone out there. Michelin stars. That's right. So first off, congratulations to uh, John Shields and team at Smith for gaining the third Michelin star. Very the coveted cool. third star. Very cool accomplishment. Um, and then to... Galit for retaining their Michelin star, and uh, of course to Elska for also retaining their star. What a brilliant segue, Danny! Yeah, because this week's guest is Anna Posey. That's right. And, we have uh, now closed the loop on the uh, on the Posey couple. Posies. We collected them all <laughs> yeah, on the Posey couple for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> we had David. I think David was like our second episode. Yeah, he was kind enough to come on when we had uh, awful audio, bad no audio. acoustic paneling. Yeah. And we really didn't know what we're doing. Look how far we've come with the <laughs> addition right. of 150 <laughs> foam acoustic panels. Oh, man. But, um, yeah, it was a great conversation with Anna. She's super easy to talk to, great energy. It was fun to hear about her journey from kind of the art world into the pastry world and beyond. And fusing the two. Yeah. Getting artistic with their pastries. And, you know, it, it kind of uh, it dawned on me that pastry and art are pretty well linked yeah at the ripe age of 37 you <laughs> yeah, made the finally made connection, the connection yeah. yeah that's cool yeah but just you know in terms of plating and the composition and the real no it makes like, a lot of sense it's it, an art i would say artistry yeah, it's there. very artistic yeah yeah it's interesting because it's so precise yet also artistic that's right perhaps a perfect blend yeah so enough with these spoilers we'll get on with the show so please enjoy our conversation with anna posey This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Host Ready to Drink Premium Bottled Cocktails. Choose from Old Fashioned, Martini, and coming soon, a Manhattan. For more information, go to Host, that's H-O-S-T-E, cocktails.com, connect with quality. I'm okay with coffee, but like the acidity is starting to get to me, so I just think I'm like, yeah, maybe like, I should drink water. When I drink too much coffee. without food, I feel very anxious. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, it's just because I haven't eaten. I've had a full pot of coffee. That could be it. Maybe. <laughs> what coffee yeah. do you maybe guys drink at eat. home? Um, David, I don't know what it is. He refuses to drink the coffee that I make, so I don't know if I just make really <laughs> shitty coffee. <laughs> no, or what. But he like purposely buys like the pre-made like concentrate stuff, and I'll like uh, brew. I like Intelligentsia at home or La Colombe. Um, Wait, so you're brewing coffee and yeah. David won't touch it? Yeah, he won't touch it, and I've like brought it up like. <laughs> Is it something I'm doing? <laughs> but I'll do like 
I used to do Chemex, but now I just do like um like more automatic drip. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't know. What do you think is the most snobby thing that David does? Hmm. Coffee related? Yeah. Other than that. Coffee related? No, he's like <laughs> is he pretty he's particular like anti snob. He likes like Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Like All he'll right, go. Okay. He's got his like. So just particular, not snobby. Yeah, I think that's it. Like he likes his like Splenda. Like it's like black iced coffee with double shot of espresso and Splenda from Dunkin'. That's wow, that's very that's specific. A, <laughs> that's a very specific. He's got like David the app. Order. This will just be a David bashing <laughs> session. I love that. Yeah, we were texting yesterday and he was trying to plant some questions in here. So no, he we'll told me happens, and he's yeah. like, I didn't have anything. I was like, you don't. Cause I'm perfect. <laughs> no, I'm like, no, I. He was gonna. He's like, I wasn't sure if I should tell them, but he's got a. The only thing he could think of was. Um, I'm just like notoriously bad at like speaking. <laughs> so, and like remembering. Good so far. Oh, okay. Thanks. But I can't specifically like phrases like, um, like the elephant in the China room or like, uh, little, what yeah. do I call? So like, like, I, mixing, I, like I mix up. Stuff. Yeah. I, I put like two together and yeah. I, and I shouldn't even try to like <laughs> say them anymore. Cause I know like, as I'm speaking, I'm like, I don't know the end of that one. Shannon <laughs> does that constantly. And I really? prefer the messed up one. It's like a Sancho Panza situation <laughs> where it's like, it's, it's always more interesting and funnier. And sometimes those stick more than the actual <laughs> ones. Yeah, that's that's true. I don't like, and I have a terrible memory too, obviously. But uh, so I don't remember them. But David has a whole notes section of like Anna's saying. So that's like awesome. you could ask. He'll That'd give be a it fun to segment. Maybe yeah, we'll put that in the engineering. It's a good like maybe at least ten of them. Fifteen. Yeah. Wow. All right. Cool. Yeah, that's all he's got on me though. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we have started recording. Uh, just so everyone knows. Thank you. Full disclosure. Thank you, Danny. I don't want okay. feel like they're getting tricked. Cool. I'll put on my podcasting voice now. <laughs> I'm going to clam up. <laughs> um, we yeah. shouldn't announce when you start. I know. Well, just Tim, start recording. Tim sometimes says that. He's like, just start recording. But I feel like for the person who's on, yeah. that's like why you would say. Yeah. I mean, you know what you're getting into when you sign up to come. I guess so, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. It's funny nice to, to know, do it like an hour official. in. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've been recording. <laughs> Or like done. the person thinks you're recording and you haven't. And just like, <laughs> like okay, so now another hour of this. <laughs> yeah, that was just the appetizer. Yeah. Um, all right. So you're from outside Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And you have been interested in food and pastry and stuff for how long? Um, I, as, I feel like my whole story is kind of corny, but I've been baking since I was really little. But it was kind of just one of those things like... I guess I we just always did it with my mom or like my mom would just let us experiment with food so we had a Betty Crocker it was like that red Betty Crocker book I don't remember I think it's just like the Betty Crocker baking book and my mom would let me like mix things and make cakes and I remember like baking pretty early um so I think I've always been into cooking my mom was a great cook um how early is early um I mean I remember there's like a video of me when I'm like for wow, um, like yeah. a booster chair well, thing, like mixing stuff. But we'd also make this stuff called like oobleck, we called it, where you're just like mixing mm-hmm. anything from the pantry and then like seeing what it looks like. Like you're not eating it necessarily, <laughs> but like oh. she Unless was just very, good. yeah, I would try it probably. But like she was just a very encouraging, um, creative person. It's cool. Um, my dad too. Um, and so they just really kind of let us do our thing. And like, I've just always been drawn to baking. And I remember always making my dad this one. It's the silver cake in the Betty Crocker cookbook. And I would make it for him like 
pretty frequently and sometimes it'd be good and sometimes it'd be bad and I think back then I remember thinking like I don't know why it's not turning out this time but it was because I was just adding whatever I wanted to this <laughs> cake and then baking it and then I would put as much frosting as I could on top and as much you know all the sprinkles and this is silver cake or this, this is was... the silver cake so yeah. it was always different but it was always just like yeah like you know oh we don't have baking powder we don't need that yeah <laughs> like, fair enough. you're six years old you don't know um, so do you think he was pretending or you think he just loved it when it turned out well he still claims it's the best cake he's ever wow. eaten but uh could I you think make he's... it today i actually have remade it and i tweaked it a little bit it is a really good cake and it's just really plain white like you can put anything on it and it's delicious but um it's very 1950s yeah um so wait what is a silver cake so silver cake is like this very it's very white <laughs> um i think it uses cake flour white sugar um it's like reminiscent of like a box cake basically yeah um but yeah he you know he loved it probably just because girls made it and <laughs> it's probably and you got awful. some encouragement from an early age which is nice i did and my parents were both very and not just with food but um i talk to him now that now that i'm a parent it's like how did you it must have been hard to just let us do these things and not say anything but yeah it's hard um, for me to do that right i'm very like i correct too often probably and i'm critical but you should just like let them be you know and they were critical too when it mattered. I think like we, for example, like so I'm one of three girls, and my dad I think really was hoping for three boys, but <laughs> he really pushed us to do all the sports, and um, we could not get out of it if we, no matter what. So I remember distinctly like I would scream, cry, and like throw these tantrums. Just when I'm a little older, like maybe when I was like 13. And I was like, I don't want to go skiing. I'm not going to the ski hill, blah, 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 for like an hour. And he would not budge. And like, just so, he's like, get in the fucking car. We're going to the ski hill. And we're from Wisconsin, so you go skiing on yeah. the weekend. Yeah, where would you go, Alpine? Um, we would either go up north. Yeah, Alpine. Um, we actually joined this small hill outside the city. I can't remember. I want to say it was called like Osplick or something. And then we also would go up north a lot. So we would go skiing up, um, I feel like one was Iron Mountain and uh, yeah. Powderhorn. Or is that, I think so. Or maybe I'm getting Colorado confused. Um, All I know is I Wilma. think Iron Mountain. Iron Mountain, right. yeah. Um, there's one other hill we would go to up there. But yeah, you know, like compared to out west, it's nothing. But, yeah, you know, you wake up at different. 6 a.m. to go and it's freezing. Um, but he was, you know, so they wouldn't budge with things that were they really want us to do we couldn't get out of stuff which was great and um surprising that i couldn't beat him at that but um <laughs> but things like i you know i would go to the thrift stores in high school and buy the most weird stuff and wear it with like 1960s little kitten heels and like so i'd have like a polyester collared shirt some weird like skinny jeans which nobody wore back then um and then a matching jean jacket and like buttons everywhere and patches and like little kitten heels and like nobody in 2002 is like except for like you know like the punk kids were wearing this stuff yeah 
and my my parents were like, "Okay, see you later. Have a good day." And it's like, <laughs> good luck. And I guess my dad, yeah, fun yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all those bullies. <laughs> um, and later, my mom would say, my dad would like she would stop my dad from saying stuff to me, and like oh, cause, she's expressing herself. Yeah, she's yeah. like Harvey. What does this matter in the long run? Like you know, this is her way of showing who she is, and she's figuring things out. So like, we have a reputation to- in this town. <laughs> damn it. Yeah, like, and my mom was so you know they both they just don't care about that stuff, yeah. which is like so. So, yeah, I, I still ask them. I'm like, how did you guys do it? It's so hard. And Now, are you a good skier now? You know, I haven't been in so long. And okay. I, I think in my head I'm a good skier. I was a good skier back then. I was on the ski team, which I actually did quit. But <laughs> um, I was an okay skier. Um, I was good at sports. So I think okay. in general I was pretty athletic. So. What were your sports? Um, soccer I did. Um, we, we literally played everything though. Like not in high school, but we, we did like volleyball, basketball, softball. My little sister did tennis, um, ski team. Do you play sports today? No, I like to run. Okay. Um, I think I like more like solo sports now. Yeah. So does David. Yeah. Well, (laughs) golf is kind of a... It's kind of solo, solo. kind of not. He enjoys the camaraderie of it. He does. That's a perfect... That's a perfect hobby sport, I think. Yeah. Because you're outside, you're with other people, but you can also just like chill and. Has he tried to rope you in? He is very patient with trying to get me to try golf. He doesn't like push me, but we did buy, we bought a set of clubs for me and I got some cute little outfits and then I tried it twice and he's like well you can go look for mushrooms and stuff in the woods when we go <laughs> golfing and I was is like, there well, good foraging fun. on the courses um I think Maybe. he got that idea because like I would ride with him sometimes in the cart and I would like go try to see which plants I could identify and yeah, look like for mushrooms off, right because yeah. like early fall you can see and they were like not really but it's fun to like <laughs> to before kids it was like fun to like go look for stuff um but yeah, I went. I think I went once for eighteen holes, and I was like, "This is so boring." I was maybe like nine <laughs> holes I could do. I don't know. It's Especially like, if you're not playing simultaneously. Yeah, it's playing tough. too. I got over it pretty quickly. Maybe one day. I'll, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but you're you, you're a golfer, but yeah. you you don't golf. Tim golfs a little I, bit. A little I bit. Do. Yeah. I not like these guys. Yeah. I took Shannon out a couple of years ago. We were playing with Elliot and uh, in Barrington, and. Um, Shannon, we played like, I don't know, maybe nine or 12 holes or something. It takes a long time when you're playing with somebody who hasn't really yeah. played. Oh, you know, yeah. Shannon's hitting the ball down the, you know, straight, but, you know, 50 feet at a time. And um, <laughs> so she probably, in those nine holes, she probably took maybe a couple hundred swings. And then the <laughs> next exhausted. day, yeah, the next day she couldn't walk. And she's like, my knee is so fucked. And I looked at, like, I had taken a video of her swinging and I realized that she wasn't, like, squishing the bug with her back leg is that what they say or, well in baseball that's the term yeah. i don't know what it is in what is it in <laughs> yeah. golf no, she's not like know. rotating her oh. and uh and so she was just like putting that shock on her back knee <laughs> oh, no. 200 no. times Hundreds of times. <laughs> yeah so that was the last like, time she golfed again. i don't know yeah. if it's gonna happen again Maybe ellie's we'll, we'll go. gone with you yeah right? ellie's yeah. yeah she's done it a few times she has her own clubs she's squishing um, the bug she's squishing the bug um yeah she didn't go this year but yeah hopefully yeah when the kids are a little bit older yeah it'll be it'll be a nice thing to do together i think that's why it's like the dream i guess right and david too i think it's like yeah imagining him going out with our boys it's like well i want to 
go yeah, with you course. guys yeah, too. Yeah, you don't be so. left perfect yeah. for them. Yeah, exactly. So I think one day I'll just so I can get like good enough. I think I'm too competitive with sports though. So like. I think I thought because I feel stronger, I was going to go out there and like drive it like David. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 50 feet. <laughs> so you get really frustrated. Yeah, it's so, oh yeah. my God. It yeah. was the most, I mean, I took like a few lessons when I was young and then hated it. Would play reluctantly like once a year, always super frustrated, hyper competitive. Yeah. And then like it took me, you know, 20 years of being away from it to like start to play again. And I took some lessons hmm. and then became more competent and my enjoyment really uh, skyrocketed but it is such a f- insanely frustrating sport yeah and you um, could spend your whole life yeah trying to get better and thinking you've found something and then it's gone the next day yeah just non-stop um but anywho yeah don't worry, we can golf. cut all that <laughs> yeah. um, exactly. i yeah. hate golf <laughs> all right so you've, so you're art, the artistically dressed high school kid athletic do you go to art school yeah in high school i stopped doing the sports yeah Yeah. okay (laughs) because it didn't fit in socially with what you wanted to do um yeah i think uh i've always gotten along with everybody like it never like socially i think i've i've always gotten along with everybody i was not a cool kid um but i think high school is that chance you can like meet people that you actually get along with and find your group of friends um so i don't know i think i remember freshman year Anna was <laughs> excited I I think I was in theater like but not I was a thespian so like you're into I was into like the stage like the props and everything and like I remember really wanting to do like um the scenery and stuff so I've always been very oh, artistic cool. yeah. um and that I've been doing since kindergarten I've always been very artistic and my mom's an artist so she's always been pushing that and all my art teachers push that so I think for me, high school was a chance to dive into that more. Um, so yeah, I got into like theater a little bit, but not acting. It was, yeah, just like the, the sets and everything. And then I had a crush on some guy in theater too, but that didn't work out. <laughs> and then, oh no, was he the lead or was no, he? No, he was like a set guy and okay. he was super nerdy and it just, you know, yeah nothing i don't yeah nothing ever came i don't think i talked to him ever <laughs> like maybe once i talked to him i was like hi <laughs> very awkward so yeah i was an awkward nerdy but nice um art kid in high school um found and, my group of friends and are you like you have a talent for baking very early and you keep doing it is it just something that's kind of like in the back of your mind but you're something that you're never thinking about pursuing professionally yeah i think that's exactly it i went to a very uh, a high school that was very much you go to a really good college um you get a good degree and then you go on to where you know wherever like my whole thought was like where what college I, I need to do well on like all these tests and I was very studious uh never thought you just didn't think about going into a career for baking yeah ever like it just never crossed my mind but yeah I was still baking probably I remember being playful with it when I was younger but not in high school really um, I remember eating a lot, <laughs> but that was pretty much it. And we would like, we were very self-sufficient, so we would make ourselves food and stuff, but nothing like, I know David was cooking at a young age, but I don't think we were really doing anything too crazy. Yeah. Definitely like baking but cookies and nothing crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we were still, my sisters and I, we all kind of cooked and baked a little bit. Um, but yeah, I got more into art and... Um, the art teacher in high school really took me under her wing as well. And 
I started signing up for more art classes, more art-focused things. And by my senior year, I knew I wasn't going to go to, like, the basic, like, state school or whatever. Um, I think by my junior year, I, d- I knew that. And I was very set on going to an art school, um, which my father was not super excited about. Um, but eventually he was like, you know, if we're going to if you're going to go go to a good art school, let's get you into the best art school. Um, so we literally went, I think we visited like, we visited some liberal arts schools too, but we visited Micah, um, Sake. So Micah's in in uh, Maryland, in Baltimore. Um, Sake is in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, we went to RISD um, in Rhode Island. Uh, here in, I'm sorry, Sake in Chicago. And then I applied to Myed. So I got into all these schools, applied to Myed, which is in Milwaukee where I'm from. And they end up giving me like almost a full ride, so I ended up staying in Milwaukee, um, and then, which is a great school. It's a little bit smaller, uh, and they have a very good. They have a couple of really great programs, but they have a really good industrial design program, which my father I think was really hoping I'd go into, but I ended up going into painting and drawing. Um, so yeah, so I was there for four years and got my BFA in basically in oil painting and printmaking. <laughs> which Did you is commute? Cool. Did you just live at home? No, I didn't. I lived in Bayview. Um, I love Bayview. I like Milwaukee in general. It's a fun, fun city to spend time in. Milwaukee's a very cool city. It's very, like going back to high school, it was a very cool, so instead of going like high school parties, I found my group of friends, we would go to like you know, basement shows and like hang out with all these really cool, there's a great music scene in, in Milwaukee or used to be. Um, and that was like really my high school era. It was just like going to these basement shows, meeting these really cool open people, um, very friendly for the most part. Um, so yeah, I was kind of like already in this scene when I went to Myed and moved to Bayview with my then boyfriend. Um, and yeah, I was there for all four years and I liked it. It was it was the right place for me at the time. I think I'm, I've always been kind of a homebody. So I was very scared to move to RISD in Rhode Island and like be with all these like cutthroat artists who like <laughs> really like, yeah. you know, it was like so intense and um, it was so impressive to me. These people who were, even the portfolio to get into RISD was just so intense. Yeah. And I think it just wasn't, it wasn't right for me. Um, it's hard to turn down like a near full scholarship as well. Oh, right. That too. You know, my parents, you know, it's so expensive. So yeah, that was really helpful. Um, obviously made the decision pretty easy too. So that was kind of, well, I'm going to my head, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was good. So you graduate from art school mm-hmm. and how do you end up getting into pastry? So I feel like from art school is like the start of this. Um, I don't maybe like a snowball of just like doing whatever. Yeah. I'm just like Anna's Odyssey. Yes, and like it's just so. I've always been like that too. I've never had like a five year plan or anything. Yeah, I kind of am that person who goes with the flow, and I'm I'm starting to just appreciate that's who I am, and like I think I surround myself with people who are more planned and um, regulated, which is good for me. Like my husband. Yeah. Seems <laughs> like it worked out. It worked out well. But so, yeah, so I graduated from art school with my wonderful degree in painting. and The, the hyper valuable BFA. So my dad was right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great. So I remember I applied everywhere. And this is like, I feel like the job market was probably great in 2008. Like I, the only job I could find was getting a job in 
Wait, what? Well, was like, well, was it, was like it bad? Our, it I don't was like know. Their, yeah, it was like recession time. Was yeah. it? Okay, yeah, that yeah. makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah. I was like, we graduated why is nobody? Yeah, we all graduated in Because yeah. I was like, why can't I find a job? No, yeah, it was there? tough. Yeah. Okay, so that's how I started I working under- at. Yeah, I was like bar backing and yeah. Well, that makes me feel better. I've had that on my shoulders for the last. If you got out in like 06, that would have been cool. Dang, you know, 2010. Yeah. So the only job. So I'm playing everywhere, right? Yeah. I'm like, man, I have such a like. And you're in art school. All these teachers are like, you're amazing. You're going to do so well and do all these great things and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, the only job I can find is folding T-shirts at Urban Outfitters for $7 an hour. Like, (laughs) what am I going to do with my life? Um, So that was like a real – it's just one of those moments that you just – I think I moved back home with my parents. I had broken up with my boyfriend. um, And, yeah, moved back in. So they live just north of the city. And really did like soul searching. Like I remember looking at, um, and again, my parents were so supportive, whatever you want to do, like we are here for you. And I'm so lucky to be able to have parents that like one financially can support me like that and just emotionally supported me like that. Like I, looking back on it, it's just amazing. Um, but I was thinking about taking, you know, uh, it was so ridiculous, like a cargo cruise ship yeah um by myself and like going on this like cargo cruise across the world and like drawing and like maybe i'll stop at these port cities get inspiration get inspiration Wait, is this a thing? like yes this is like a real the... like i read a book about it too Whoa. like you would work no you you would have to pay i think but you could work if you wanted to and a lot of actually retirees do this this was i can't even believe i I don't even know how I found out about this, but I just had just such a romantic kid. Like I had all these romantic ideas, like maybe I'll go draw on the streets of Florence and like sell my paintings. And yeah. that was like who I was out of art school. And I remember my father even bought me this book too. He's like, well, here's a book on, if you're going to do it, here's a book on cargo <laughs> ship cruises. And it didn't, I didn't do that. I ended yeah. up doing AmeriCorps. Okay. <laughs> so an AmeriCorps is a good. Where did you do AmeriCorps? So I, I, again, applied all over. I knew I wanted to do this very specific version of AmeriCorps that was more hands-on. It wasn't, like, in the school system. It was just you go out into the world and do these things. Um, So I applied. I remember I almost got into one in Knoxville, Tennessee that would have, actually, funny enough, was urban farming. Um, And that was what I wanted to do from going from art school. I was like, I just need to do something with my hands, hands hands-on, that, like, gives back and gets me somewhere. Um, the urban farming didn't work out in Knoxville, so I got into um, Delaware State Park system. Whoa. So I moved. Um, started foraging right away. I started, yeah, you know, it's funny how your life just yeah. <laughs> comes full circle. But <laughs> so my parents packed me up. I had bazooka at this time. I got bazooka in art school, which was our old dog who actually just passed away last year. Um, so it was me and my dog, my Volkswagen Golf. Um, went cross country to uh, Delaware, and I wasn't like in a cool part of Delaware. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like Delaware is. My grandpa was from Delaware too. Oh, really? Where yeah, from De- Dover? Oh, so that I yeah. was in Dover. Okay, that's yeah. the capital. Dover is the capital. Good job. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Dover is like, yeah. There's like a main street. Um, so it's if I remember, it's Wilmington is the north county. I think there's just three counties. So it's like Wilmington, Dover, and then the South Beach area, which I'm forgetting the name. Um, but I was in Dover at this 
beautiful park called Killens Pond State Park. And it, we were in like a trailer home, basically, like a stationary trailer home. But it was right in the park. Um, and it was really good for me at the time. So I had bazooka and we would go on these like going from Milwaukee where it was fun, but it was like just kind of un- unhealthy, I think. And I just need to get out of like unhealthy yeah. as far as like you need to get out of your parents' house. You need to get out of you need to meet new people, get away from like the relationships you've been in. And now I'm in the middle of this park, living in a park basically, um, and buying my own food and cooking for myself. And it's just what I needed. Um, what were your sisters doing at the time? My older sister, oh my god. Are you, are you in the middle? I'm in the middle, I'm the middle girl. So my older sister, Siri is her name. Um, Oh no! She they named is, the whole feels app so after bad her. For her. Isn't that so bizarre? Like, and her so her name She's is called C E R E. Oh, and no one growing up like she has the most unusual name, and like all that of a sudden, it's is that the goddess common. of agriculture? I, my that'd mom. Be, that'd be series so, with an S. Yeah, I guess. with an S. That's the most common way I've seen it. But my mom had a um, a French. I think she had like some friend in college that was some french friend and her somehow wow. siri or some somehow my mom what are the chances so bizarre and then my younger sister maddie uh is they're gonna say alexa yeah <laughs> <don't know>, <laughs> so... <laughs> she <changed> her name. <laughs> so siri is three and a half years older than me and she was probably living in chicago at that time um, she went to IU and then I think went right to Chicago. So does she live in HP now? She does. So okay, we followed so her the, up there. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm making the connections. I'm just copying whatever she does. So yeah. so she was in Chicago and then moved to Highland Park. I probably shouldn't say that. Whatever. Um, and then Maddie. So she's five years younger. So she might have not even been in college yet or was just going to yeah, college in Minnesota. Um, who now she Maddie now lives in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm. Um, another capital. Another cap? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get them all. <laughs> Honestly, at this age, I'm like surprised that I remember anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't I think I know I need to go back capitals. to school or something. Yeah. I was reminded a couple weeks ago that I don't know all of them. Oh, so <laughs> they, get, they get traced. Was it by a young up. child? Or? <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, probably. <laughs> what, you're, I feel like what my nephew is like, that? you don't know what the shark is named. I'm like, I don't know what that shark is named. <laughs> you're like, you got me. Right. Yeah, jeez. Um... But right, so much time you're self-sufficient yeah. in Delaware. Sort of. How long were you there? Smoking a lot of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm this little like tattooed punk kid in Delaware. Like so bizarre. Um, so, it, but it was great because I started running. That's when I started running. My parents have both been runners um, since growing up, and I never did it with them. And when I moved out, when I moved to Delaware, there's a three mile loop around this pond in the park and so I would start running with bazooka around this loop and that was just like kind of a sounds so corny but it was like a pivotal moment in my life where I'm like I'm feeling more like myself so I, you know I'm right at, right out of college so your brain's still you're still developing who you are yeah. but I just started to feel like more like myself and I felt like it, it was a not a challenging time even I think it was a really I was just like moving as a person I was I was changing and growing um and then so my job at AmeriCorps was basically Delaware is so small you can drive the whole state in two hours. So whoa. I would go. I was east like to west, north to south. Oh whoa! Yeah, That's it's a like long skinny way, right? and tall. So they have parks all over the state. Um, and the south is very resorty, and um, the middle is 
trashy. I don't know. <laughs> but like I was at the main park in the middle. And then up north, it's very New Englandy. Um, so I was kind of the lead volunteer coordinator. So I would go up and down to all these parks and check in. And there's a lot of paperwork, too. And that was when I realized being behind a computer is not for me. Um, so I felt like at least I had discovered that, that like I need to be in a career that's hands-on because I would literally like fall asleep at these computers. It's yeah. just something that would happen to me. How long did you end up staying there? Um, so I think the program for the AmeriCorps is 11 months. And, you, um, and I ended up moving. Uh, I met a new boy. So I ended up moving. Oh. Philadelphia is like 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. So I ended up moving to Philadelphia where he lives. Um, and that got me on another. So once AmeriCorps wrapped up, moved to Philly, um, which I really loved. I think Philadelphia is a really cool city, a lot like Milwaukee, actually. Mm-hmm. Very blue collar, mm-hmm. cool art scene. Um, but I had to like kind of search again, like, okay, now AmeriCorps is done. What am I going to do? Like, do I go back to school? But if I go back to school for my master's in painting, I automatically become a teacher, which I didn't want to do at the time. At least in my mind, that's what you do. Um, I did an internship with an interior designer who kind of, who didn't pay and not even for gas. And we had to like drive all over the city and she was just awful. It was interesting. I did like a graphic design thing for a little bit and nothing really clicked. Um, And then it was that light bulb moment that you have that oh my god what have i been doing my whole life that i absolutely love to do i'm like well i could just do baking as a career and this is is when i think i think it was becoming pop more popular um yeah so i i like tosi was becoming a thing yeah so this was probably so i graduated art school 2008 2009 was americorps maybe like 2010 2009 2010 um yeah and i was like oh my god i can go to school to become a pastry chef and there's for me it's like i want that security of being able to find a job where i want to go and at that point in my life i thought i wanted to travel more because i was just starting to do that a little bit with america where we got to go to to new orleans and like help out after katrina and you know there's still stuff going on that we had to they had to clean up um, and I just thought that's what I wanted to do. Oh, I could go to a different resort town and work at, um, you know, everyone needs macarons in their life. And that's what I that's what I thought I was going to do. Um, or I could go on a cruise ship and go be a cruise ship pastry chef. So anyway, my parents, again, were like, well, if you're going to go to pastry school, we want you to go to the best pastry school. So there are really only a couple options if you want to go just for pastry. And there are two in New York. And there's one in Chicago. And I'm sure there are more now. Um, but back then, those three were the big ones. I didn't want to go to um, Johnson Wales or go to CIA and get like a full culinary career or full culinary degree. Um, so yeah, I went to French pastry school in Chicago, um, which was the last place I wanted to go because my older sister was there and my family was, <laughs> you know, an hour and a half away. And I was like, I I don't, everyone moves to Chicago after Milwaukee. Like, I don't want to go to Chicago. So my idea was I was going to go to French pastry school and then move away um, immediately after. <laughs> <laughs> Look where I am now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Chicago, yeah, French pastry school was awesome. So did they set you up with the internship at um, at Blackbird? Oh, okay. So going back, okay. So while I was still in Philly, 
Um, I think I had just applied to French pastry school and I had reached out to the two main chefs at French pastry school saying, you know, I'm living in Philly for the next six months. Um, not even, I think it was like, I had like three months left in this lease and I was like, this boyfriend sucks. I need to get out of here. (laughs) Um, so I had, (laughs) I run away from my problems. (laughs) So I had three months left and I emailed these pastry chefs like, um, what can I do while I'm in Philly? Where should I go to learn before pa- pastry school? And there was a restaurant called Le Bec Finn, yeah. or I think Le Bec Fong, yeah, um, yeah. which I th- is, I think, closed now it officially. Is, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and I was like, okay, sure, I'll go there. I know nothing. And like, I think ignorance is definitely bliss in my case. You know, it was just the place to be if you want to study French or work in a French restaurant in Philadelphia. It was you know, fine dining to, um, it was just like the most fine dining restaurant in Philly at the time. Um, and Chef Perrier was the chef there who's this little French guy who smoked cigars in the building, would like run up and down the stairs and you would just, so the pastry room was on the third floor and he wouldn't really go up there as much and he was very nice to the pastry chef. But um, you would hear him in like the basement just screaming at these grown men, like Mm -hmm. awful. And people, the cooks would be on the staircase just like freaking out in the stairwell. It was just an awful experience, I'm sure, for those people. But for me, it was very like, it was this new challenging thing that really opened my eyes to this whole new world. And to me, it was a lot like art because, you know, these people are working so hard at this craft and... I could see myself doing this. And I was like, oh my God, I can, it was like starting at the bottom, but there was just so much to learn. And that was so exciting for me. So yeah, so I walk into Lebec Finn. I think I was there for a month and a half maybe for as an intern, um, unpaid again, because back then nobody paid interns. Um, Looks like you were there at the end. It closed in February, 2012. Yeah, so That's it was probably the screaming, 09, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was only there for like a month and a half, so. What was that <laughs> month it. and a half like? So, I so basically. like a rude awakening? It was, it was, um, you know, I'm walking in, obviously I know how to crack an egg, but I'm the kind of person is like, is this how you want the egg cracked? And <laughs> like, how do I weigh this on a scale? Like, I was that green. Yeah. Um, and I was with these two girls, women, who were a little bit older than me. Um, one of them, Emily, has since opened um, Machine Shop Philly. Um, they were both, you know, they grew up in the culinary industry in a way that was kind of old school. So they kind of treated me the same way. Um, and I, you know, didn't thrive off of that, but it kept me focused and it kept me learning. Um, and wanting to learn. What were some like hard lessons that you learned in that month and a half? Um, just to like shut my mouth, sort of. Like <laughs> I don't need to like. I think I naturally come off very bubbly and over the top, and I think I'm just like, it's just like my natural. Like I'm a I'm a more reserved. Like I would call myself an introvert, but I'm also very like, hi, how are you? I'm Anna, and like yeah. that just like didn't fly with them. So <laughs> I just need to like s- like simmer down a little bit and yeah. just focus. I'm also a sponge though, so I just like picked up, I would watch them and everything they did, I would like, I would naturally just write it down and like learn from that. Um, Were there things that you had brought from baking, like, you know, at home growing up or wherever 
that you try to bring over there and they're like, no, we do not do that this way. Yeah. Like things breaking that were, bad habits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I honestly didn't have any habits to break. Like I just didn't know, like the thing with the egg, like I didn't even know I would ask her, okay, so this one person would always look annoyed with everything I did. So I just learned to ask her, which was probably even more annoying. Like, okay, well, how would you like me to do this? And how would yeah. you like me to do that? And they're like, you don't put dry ingredients on the bottom. You yeah. put them on the top in a blender sort of thing. Yeah, just don't be stupid. <laughs> yeah. But eventually I think they noticed I was good at the more artful things. So they had a whole dessert cart at Lebecfin. And so it was... I think nine, eight to nine different cakes. And then they had the floating islands that you would do every day, um, that you'll float on. And then um, they, at the time they had poached pears and pineapple. It was just very old school French. So they would put me in charge of like doing all the glazes on the cakes and putting all the chocolate tiles on all the cakes and like poaching the il flottant. So like the more simple crafty um things not as much like the technique driven things where you're actually scaling a recipe because i think they realized i was just awful <laughs> kind of a shit show <laughs> well, in the just, kitchen yeah, you're just, new, yeah, new i just enough. didn't know what i was doing so yeah i think once they realized like my skills in more artful things were already there and kind of just came to me easier they kind of just stuck me on the dessert cart but it was intense you know it's like uh, that kitchen was like we need this done right now and you need to do this perfectly and if you screw it up like it was just very old school yeah um no one was throwing pans or anything but um that was kind of just my... making grown men cry exactly <laughs> and that was like my first like entrance into the restaurant industry and so that's what i was like okay this is how restaurants are um and that's like yeah it didn't scare you off it didn't which is like surprising because i think i am more of a timid person um but it just got me more um but again, ignorance is bliss. And I didn't realize I had just stepped into this incredible restaurant with all this history. And um, would you prestige. hire would you hire young Anna for Elska? Um, I would actually, because I think those things that I mentioned about myself are things I look for now is yeah. somebody who is driven to learn by themselves. Like I think uh, David and I can only push our cooks so far and only say the same things over and over again. Um, you know, we don't want to say things over and over again. So if we can tell you once or twice how to do something and to find someone who's like, oh, I can do that or think on their own, this doesn't look right, what did I do wrong, to ask those questions. I think somebody who can just ask questions is like amazing and write it down, write down the answer afterwards. That's incredible. And I, I would hire... I mean, I've hired like dishwashers before and taught them how to do pastry and anybody can learn if they just want to learn, I think. This episode is brought to you by Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, a tasty, versatile spirit. Created in Chicago in 2012, the product was born out of a need for a bespoke iteration of the Old Tom style, which is the slightly sweeter predecessor to London Dry. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin carries classic notes of orange peel, juniper, and coriander while balancing on a subtle floral edge thanks to the addition of osmanthus blossoms. Its elevated proof is suitable in cocktails or unadorned. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, complete your bar. So how does the culture shift from Lebecfin going to Blackbird, for example? Um, in the kitchen? Yeah. I think... Like, how do those two worlds compare? Yeah. So after Lebecfin um, and after Pastry School, I went to Blackbird for... Which is actually an internship, too. Um, 
they blackbird felt lighter i think blackbird felt like the there's people... a more handsome person in the kitchen <laughs> i was <there>. like <laughs> all i remember is david <laughs> no i worked for uh i was under chef patrick fahey um who to me was like the best pastry chef in the city at the time um he was doing really beautiful still like french technique driven work but um very creative i thought and yeah the whole atmosphere felt lighter like it felt like all these cooks wanted to be here and it was still very a very intense kitchen but people still like knew how to joke around which i think at lebec finn there was like no you don't laugh you don't smile yeah um so blackbird just felt like this sort of camaraderie that i yeah, hadn't like a breath felt. of fresh air yeah. relative to the like militaristic right right and i guess at blackbird you're also around the cooks where at lebec finn it was just me and the two pastry chefs and the the executive pastry chef so um yeah, and David was there. <laughs> but um, but yeah, you get to see like the cooks cooking and there's this whole restaurant vibe that I hadn't seen at Lebec Finn where Blackbird is so small and intimate. You are just part of this whole like living and breathing thing. Um, so it was very, I just like, I loved it. Yeah, um, but it was hard. And then um, Blackbird actually is such a small kitchen that they didn't have room for me. So like three days two days out of the week I had to go to Publican which had just opened and like go help out on pastry there so we had to split our internship which was which was supposed to just be a blackbird at now blackbird and Publican and then I get to Publican and it's like what is this place like so (laughs) the food was so good the most beautiful produce and meat and like um, I can't remember when Publican opened. It was probably like a year and a half, a year or so after it opened. But, you know, they they like really were doing all these like beautiful, we called it farm to table stuff and had all these relationships with these farmers and vendors that I hadn't seen before. Um, and I just really like fell in love with that. And the camaraderie at Blackbird was amazing. But at Publican, it was just like this was just a crew that um was in the thick of it like they were so busy back then and just um so talented and really took me under their wings and i really fell in love Um, where do you think you found your voice as a pastry chef um i think so i had to leave i think when i left pastry so after my internship at blackbird and publican i went to everest for a little bit and then um, I can't remember my own career path. <laughs> I ended up working. I ended up, oh, I went to Everest after. I was actually a line cook at Publican. This was before I went to Everest. Oh, so. whoa. So you transitioned from pastry into savory. Yeah. Where you I, learned to get pans hot before you put food in them. David. <laughs> did, he, did he tell you that story? He did tell me a story like Son that. Son of a bitch. <laughs> okay. Not so. about you. Yeah, sure? but that's pretty funny. I'll hear the I'll story about you, you though. That's um, good. Okay, so my internships ended, and there was no room at Publican for pastry at the time. And uh, again, I was like, "Well, what do I do now?" Um, but they offered me a job as a line cook, and it was a real like pivotal moment. Again, I had to really think about this, and I was dating David at this time. Um. And yeah, I was like, 
well, I wouldn't want to do this at any other restaurant. And this is the one restaurant where I know they would all team up and teach me together. And yeah, it was just like the right place at the right time for me. Um, So I was a line cook for about a year and a half. Um, It started as like an oyster shucker. And the old chef at the time was like, oh, yeah, you can start an oyster. It'll be so easy. Like, we'll all help you. <laughs> like, anything you need. It's a pretty I'm like, serious oh, okay, oyster great. program over there. It is. Well, yeah. And then you get people who want, like, you get, like, six dozen oysters at a time. like, And then six more. But anyway. Oh, man, yeah. But that wasn't even the hard part. The scariest part was he didn't tell me before I accepted the job that oyster person is the the only person who makes staff meal for the entire restaurant. So you have no help from anybody. It's a hell of a double duty. Dude, I was like, dude, you just hired a fucking pastry cook straight out of school. They're like, it's cake again? What the fuck? I don't know. Yeah, I was like, like, you can just bake some stuff. I'm like, what am I going to bake every day? (laughs) Savory cookies. Oh, my God. Honestly, I think that's like the most stressed I've been in my entire life was cooking for. And these were amazing cooks at the time. Yeah, like high pressure. Went on to do amazing things. And like they all had great resumes. So, oh, and they were awful. Like it was a great, like I like this environment. Like they were very, you know, they're assholes to you in the day. But at night we'd all go out for beers. But, oh, my God, they would just like. If I put out anything, they would just rip it apart. So <laughs> it was just horrible. Like I literally bought books on staff meal making. Like how do I, there was like a there was a book on how to make staff meals. <laughs> like um, and back then, you know, the internet is just becoming like yeah. a resource. So you couldn't like Google all this. I mean, you could, I guess, but I didn't. I was like reading all these these cookbooks, trying to think of things I could use scraps for. That's the other thing with staff meals, like. You don't have anything to work with. Like we didn't, they didn't buy in proteins for me to cook with. No, you so when take you take stuff that's gonna go bad. Or right. Yeah. So I remember one time I tried to make, and we had to make two staff meals actually. There was a, a earlier staff meal and a, a later staff meal, and I tried to make sweet potato gnocchi one time, and none of them floated ever. Like they just oh. kept cooking and they wouldn't float, and they were like little rocks. And it was just off. And I was like, what do I do? And all the cooks were like, I don't know, figure it out. And I'm like, like what? Like what? I think I put up peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or something. And it was like. It's a mutant. I just, I'll remember like, yeah, it was just awful. Um, But anyway, so I was like, yeah, I would, you know, being a line cook too, I would slowly work up the stations. But again, I didn't know how to cook. So it was like, I'd put a big rondeau on the flat top and just put Brussels sprouts right in in a cold pan. And. Brian Houston be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, Did you put oil in the pan? No. Did you heat the pan? No. <laughs> like, I'm just like pouring vegetables in a pan and stirring it with a wooden spoon. Like I didn't know what I was doing. But um, but no shade to Brian Houston. He was wonderful. And um, he would later give me – he like called me up one day. After, after I finished my time as a pastry cook I, or a line cook, uh, I left and was like, I need to get back to pastry. Um, so I went to Everest and like three months in there, Brian Houston called me out of nowhere and was like, Hey, so our pastry chef is leaving and we'd like you to be the pastry chef. And it was just like, Oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> like 100% yes, I'll come. And yeah. So that was that. <laughs> Whoa. Right. Don't yoke you this time. Yeah. Nope. And yeah, he didn't <laughs> even like have me do a tasting or anything. I think cause I, you know, while I was line cook, I would bake cookies all the time and, that was like my true passion. So I think I was always like baking even when I wasn't a pastry chef. So so how do you, how does the restaurant influence pastry? Like how do you take in all of those inputs? Like 
this is kind of the demographic, this is the price point. Like what are mm. the things that determine the pastry that you can put out? Because obviously you have a wide range of skills. Yeah. You could make any number, hundreds, thousands of different things. How do you choose the things to put on their menu? Um, yeah, that's that's something I think you learn the older you get as a chef. Like, like for the cocktails. Publican, yeah. Like younger bartenders love to make 20 ingredient cocktails Uh, and then like over time you learn to like refine the flavors and kind of eliminate cut all the fat out and just like dial it in right so like is there yeah is there like a pastry equivalent to that i think that's what david and i do it or try to do at elska is like how how can we make how can we make this as simple as possible with still expressing everything we want to express um but i remember like the first dessert i put up as a pastry chef had eight elements on it you know there was like a crumble a sauce an ice cream a tart with marshmallow topping and yeah i saw you make one of these things like a banana napoleon or something for star chefs on youtube and i was like wow this thing like I, i mean you know i have no idea i'm not a pastry chef but like just watching how intricate these recipes are and how many different ingredients there are and yeah. each thing has to be you know done in a very specific way and then they have to be kept a certain way and then layered a certain way you know it's really interesting a lot of chances for things to go wrong <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly but i do actually think i think bartending and or creating a cocktail and creating a dessert are actually very very similar and like I kind of feel like I've always played off of the person in charge of our beverage program in at Publican too, but at Elska, I think you've had some amazing talent at Elska. Yeah. And Kyle was when we opened, so Kyle was like, it was basically, um, yeah, I mean, he opened Elska with us and our flavor combinations were very similar. And he had that same idea was just like, what, do I need to create this beautiful cocktail that's well balanced? But then he would add just like, just like a rinse of whatever you know, like absinthe or whatever it was, like a spritz of one thing, um, or like it just needs like a drop of chartreuse, whatever, and it would just like totally change that cocktail. So that's huge, and I think that's a lot like pastry too. It's like you can have a beautiful dessert. Let's say it's like a, a yeah, banana milfui or something or Napoleon. Um, but then if you add like a drop of balsamic, that would totally change that whole dessert. Um, so I think I always have pastry is fun because it's like, you know, if you're at a a pub, you want a certain dessert and I think you should create that certain dessert, but I think it should just be the best form of that dessert. So if it's a rice pudding, make it the best rice pudding you've ever had. Um, but I think at Elska, I try to create dishes that are just simple but also can be kind of thought-provoking i think as far as flavors um so there's always like some sort of i want it to be delicious i guess and that's like my end end goal do you (laughs) have like feedback from the team before it goes live is it just you and david is it just you before it makes the menu like how does it go from you know the idea to the execution to making the menu um that has changed since I've grown as a pastry chef, I think, because now Elska's, we opened in 2016, um, in late 2016. So I think when we first opened, I was 
so nervous. I mean, I really don't have a lot on my resume. Um, I haven't worked a lot of years under people. And so I don't have, you know, I'm kind of, I've taught myself a lot. So I think opening Elsky, I was really nervous. Like, I mean, what if my desserts suck? Like, I have no idea, really. So I was, it was just, that was my mindset. So I would taste everything with David, or I would like vocalize things and like verbalize, you know, I'm thinking about this dessert, how does that sound? But you can't really do that all the time. Like, it doesn't really like translate. So you'd be like, I think it sounds okay. And then I would get like, (laughs) I'd be like, well, you don't sound super excited, so this probably sucks. So that was kind of the mindset I was in at the time. Yeah, now you're more confident. I'm more confident now. And I think I'm still figuring my style out and like figuring out things and techniques and flavors, but I feel more confident with things. And I think David's more confident with me, which is helpful. I don't have to like, not that I need, like we don't need each other's permission, but like I think when you're opening something with your partner, you want your partner to like it too. So if he doesn't like it, I'm like, oh, this probably sucks. So obviously I'm not going to put on a dessert that he isn't pumped about. Um, But Do you know each other's favorite dishes of each other? offhand oh from the restaurant yeah yeah his is the parfait hands down for sure um i don't get to eat his food anymore really because i'm like always home if with only the you live together i know what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no he'll like cook home dinners a lot and they're he always seems delicious. to cook some pretty epic stuff at he's home he's such a good home cook yeah yeah, yeah. roast chicken and i mean whatever it's so good he just bought a steamer like a steamer basket and so he'll make just like sticky rice with like chicken thigh and it's all marinated in like mm. like oyster sauce and ginger and garlic. It's so good. And MSG, like who knows what he's putting <laughs> in there. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. So whose idea was it to open a restaurant? I assume when you were at when you're at Publican, he's a blackbird. Yeah. And you guys are a couple. Yeah. And like, oh my God, looking back on it, we were just talking about how young we were really. Like it was kind of crazy that we wanted to open a restaurant. But um that young but so i remember we weren't even married yet and we were talking about the restaurant we wanted to open and we didn't have a name yet um that's a big question to pop before. yeah <laughs> like i wonder what he was more nervous for i think the restaurant <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah do you want to open a restaurant and it's yeah. the implication exactly. too yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can tell what he's, he really loves. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe he meant to propose and he's like, uh, will you, and he panicked. <laughs> Open a restaurant with me. <laughs> I think one includes the other. I mean, the restaurant includes both, kind of. I think that's probably it's what telegraphing I was the move. Hoping, yeah. yeah. But it all worked out because now we're married. It did, yeah. Have two kids, but, um, so we were like thinking about this. Yeah, so he, what was this then? 2014. It was like, yeah, I remember because we were about to get married. So it must have been 2013 we started talking really about the restaurant. Um, and he, because I think that's when he might have left Blackbird. Because I know 2014 we were getting married and I was really nervous because he didn't have a job. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are we going to do? Um, but... By not having a job, he was also like also working on the restaurant. So um, we just didn't expect it to take so long. Who knew yeah, <laughs> that it would take two years to open game. a restaurant? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I already forgot the question. No, just how, yeah. How did it yeah. come to be? I think you answered that. Pretty yeah, well. yeah. So that was he. So he always. So like I was saying, like I've always been kind of that person who's like go with the flow. I think, but he always is like 
from 14, I think he knew that he wanted to have a restaurant. But like the Danish inspiration, I mean, his mom's Danish, et cetera. Yeah. Was that always a part of it? Uh, yes, it was for this. Uh, simultaneous, simultaneously, we've always known that we wanted to have a second restaurant. Um, so, but we knew the first one was going to be Danish um, inspired, I guess. And more, I. so I was coming from public and I knew I didn't want to do that anymore like that style I wanted something more creative um and he wanted you know he loved the food at Blackbird and what he was doing at Blackbird but we wanted our own version um so I think our tastes kind of have always melded well together so we weren't really worried about that it was creating a restaurant that wasn't fine dining but wasn't casual and like how are we going to do that and I think that was something that we did do well but it was really hard. It's really hard to make that line, make an approachable fine dining restaurant. Um, but, and that's where Elska really came from. Um, I think traveling a lot with him, we've been all over the world and that's been really a special part of our relationship and uh, really contributed a lot to, well, at least my palate, I know for sure, like just seeing what other people are doing around the world. And, you know, we've been to Belgium and gone to, a restaurant that is sadly not there anymore but to be able to know that I've like experienced that and that was so like um that was like a life-changing experience for me to go to this restaurant and eat this food um it's almost more impactful than like staging in a kitchen sometimes yeah um maybe especially for where you're at now yeah like staging in the kitchen would teach you techniques and skills that you already have but you know eye-opening new experiences are inspiration yeah it is and I think when you're opening a restaurant too, that was also a big part of it was seeing, you know, these little touches that we wouldn't have, you know, it was just a new experience. So for example, we went to a restaurant and they put the fork and the knife in the tines. Is it tines? Yeah. Yeah. Tines Mm -hmm. in the fork um, and then placed it in one go next to us. And it was a very like nice restaurant. We were kind of shocked by that that I don't know if that would like I don't know if shock's the right word but like it was just took us aback a little bit I was like oh they didn't place the fork how they normally would and yeah. it's just an unusual quirky thing um that we took back with us for Elska and it's like we should do this at the restaurant because now they can place the silverware in, silverware in, in one, one go touch, yeah. in one touch um and it's just kind of a cute little quirky touch um that some people don't get and some people are kind of like think it's um we're not doing it purposefully, but there's little things like all over the restaurant that we do like that. Yeah, I send um, it back when I'm at Elska. I'm like, please, separate. <laughs> I prefer separate. We've gotten somebody get <laughs> mad and we're like, our server didn't set our place setting the correct way. And it's like, <laughs> we're doing this on purpose. Yeah. But, um, you know, seeing how people around the world set up um, the service station and how they run their kitchens and run the bar program and... Um, we've taken little bits and pieces from all over and kind of put that into our restaurant. And so that's been, that's been really fun. All right. Well, yeah. I think, uh, Tim, you ready for the gratuity round? Let's hit her with the gratuity round. Oh, wait, I don't know. Yeah, it's like a lightning is. round of questions. Oh no, I'm going to suck at this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? 
Woodstock has something for every aesthetic. From fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. What is your death row meal? Oh, man. Okay. We're going to Belgium. What was that restaurant that is no longer there? Into Wolf. Oh, okay. Oh, it was so amazing. Okay. Death row meal. God, what do I like to... Okay. This is so... I want like an epic cheese board. Wow. I think... First time we've gotten the cheese board. I think that's like... It might be just because I'm like like a new mom and that's all I eat. Like I just want like a really nice... I want like three different cheeses and yeah. like that could be Ellie's answer too. <laughs> and yeah. some wine, oh, three cheeses, yeah. what and are like corn, cornichons and yeah. olives. She loves like any, uh, you know, vinegary, acidic, right? Like cornichons, pickled things. I think that's what I want. Like every night is I want like olives, cheese, and wine, and like yeah. crusty bread or something. Yeah, that's my death row. That's a good one. We can, make, yeah. we can make that happen. Uh, all right, favorite hidden gem restaurant. Favorite hidden gem restaurant. Okay, you know this is so. You know what's really good in Milwaukee is real chili. Real it's chili. This, I don't think nobody knows about it All right, that's except a great for one. Milwaukeeans. True it's hidden gem. Real chili. I can't remember what street it's on. I, there's one downtown we'd always go to, but it's tiny, and the windows steam up, and they have mild, medium, hot. I think, and all they do is just take. If you get mild, you get one scoop of meat. If you get medium, you get two scoops of meat. Wow. And then, like, whatever, you know, it keeps going up. But it's just, like, a really – you can get a bucket of chili to take home with you. Nice. It's perfect. Love yeah. that. On Wells? Yes. Yeah. You should go. All right. Next time I'm there, I will. Uh, favorite fast food? Favorite fast food? I mean, I'm from Wisconsin, so I like Culver's. Excellent choice. What's your <laughs> What's your order? Um – so this is, I'd finally figured this out. I think I like, I don't like lettuce and tomato on my burgers, I realize, later in life. Okay, so um, what's your burger? So I just get ketchup, mustard, extra pickles, onions on a cheeseburger. Yeah. You're not going deluxe. What is a deluxe? That's the deluxe is like all the fixings. What is the, the tomato tomato lettuce and tomato? And lettuce oh, and tomato. Yeah. gotcha. No. Yeah, my dad like does not wilty. like lettuce and tomato either on a burger. Similar, yeah. yeah is he from Wisconsin? It's, like, it's not. And that's know. right. Okay, this is... I do. I like... I mean, I just like all the condiments on there. Yeah, I like all the condiments. And this is where I think... I'm going to get some heat for this. But I think the Chicago dog could mo- get rid of the tomato on the Chicago mm-hmm. dog, put ketchup on it. And oh, that's okay. like cooked... No. I no, keep no. everything the same. <laughs> yeah. It would be so good. <laughs> that's uh, my maybe hot, we do a hot taste take, test whatever. Uh, tomatoes aren't always in season yeah i agree yeah whatever do you care to guess david's favorite fast food in his order oh man i know you like okay (laughs) yeah okay oh this is good then okay so i would guess that he would either choose a double double animal style with extra crispy fries no. Yeah, from In and Out. From In and Out. He was not going to In and Out. No, oh, okay, not In and Out. Okay, yeah. if he didn't do that, he. We would... know. We know. We can <laughs> check the taste. I mean, it was. Yeah, was it McDonald's? It was McDonald's. Okay. I would. Oh, he's a wild card sometimes. Like sometimes he'll get like a McGriddle in the morning. I'm like, who are you? Um, <laughs> what a freak! He's a freak. <laughs> I do like a McGriddle. That's a good hang. I've never had yeah, a McGriddle. He, oh man, you you have to. The sausage is like, awesome. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um. 
quarter pounder. I I want to say it was the double, double cheeseburger. Double cheeseburger. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I'm not sure. I, that's what I remember too. But I've we'll, been listening we'll fact check time. that. He was one of the couple episodes with awful audio. Yeah, before we, before we had, we had sound acoustic panels. paneling. Before we yeah. had this professional. Uh, setup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and we were in agreement that the McDonald's behind Elska is the best in the city and possibly the world. However, we've gotten some recent reports. Rob Levitt said that he had a recent bad experience there. And yeah, I have the one to in say, Ogden. What did he say? He said it was just not, not hitting the it same. It wasn't, yeah. Okay. It wasn't I... firing all cylinders. And I, it wasn't, I've had, I gotta say, I think it might have fallen. I've been hmm. off of fast food the past couple of weeks mm-hmm. and trying to keep it trim. But uh, I, w- <laughs> I do great. need. I do, thank you so much. Uh, I do need to revisit and, and fact check that because I I do preach that that is the one to go to, and it's very close to Hamburger University, as you know. It is, and I actually did have a McDonald's cheeseburger recently, and it was really good. It was yeah, like which juicy the, at the one on Ogden. No, it wasn't. But so my thing with the one on Ogden is it is really good. It's they're always everything's really hot. Except for their French fries. Something's up with Someone the French fries. That. The French fries are hit or miss. I and think that might have been Rob Levitt's thing, They're, like, too. never salted. And I'm like, I've Ooh. never had a McDonald's not salt An fries. An undersalted mm. McDonald's It's fry. bizarre. Maybe it's a rogue McDonald's fry operator. Because it's consistent, too, that they're always unsalted at that McDonald's. Mm. But I also haven't eaten there in years. We, when Elska first opened, it was like we weren't living above the restaurant yet. So we'd leave Elska at, like, 1, 2 a.m. every night and go back to Lakeview where, where we were living. So we went to we went to that McDonald's so much. Like <laughs> I feel like we'd go for breakfast and then we'd leave the restaurant and like, go for dinner. It was awful. When there are shows at the bottom lounge, that McDonald's is packed. Oh my god, I'm sure. I wonder if Small Cheval is gonna take over there. It's a good question. Uh, it it is because they just had their first patio season and it was yeah. pretty packed. Small Cheval was yeah. yeah. I don't know what their hours are like if they're open late, but that was a. I thought that was a good location. They're not open late. They close at ten. Oh, but as Gene Tomorrow teased on this, yeah, on always pod, fifteen minutes later and always yeah. fifteen minutes before. Fifteen minutes. They open fifteen minutes early, unofficially. Fifteen minutes early, and they close fifteen minutes late. Oh. and I weaponized that against an employee. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was starving. It was and like, Tim goes, Gene Tomorrow said. It was like <gasps> seriously, and they were like, 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 prove it. And Tim plays the podcast episode for them, no. but makes them no, listen I to the whole not. hour. <laughs> but I did get there. Like it was like ten oh five, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, I. I'm starving. Can I please get a burger? <laughs> and they're like, they're like, yeah, of course. And, and I'm like, uh, 15, 15 in, 15 out, I think, or something like that, they call it. And they're like, how'd you know about that? Oh, my. So it's like a real <laughs> thing. A thing. Tim took it's off his mask and his jean tomorrow. Hogsaw <laughs> Hog is always shoe, good, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that company, like, I'm like, man, how do you, how do they run everything so consistently? Yeah, I mean, you have multiple job. places, but it's like, yeah, yeah, it's just like we can barely want run one restaurant. It's, hard, it's yeah. like, man, I they don't know. They had a big team. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. Lots of infrastructure. Yeah. All right. Moving on here. Okay. What is your least favorite food? My least favorite food. You know what I hate is I can't, I don't know how to categorize it. I don't want to be too specific, but like broccoli, like mayonnaise salads, mm. like something. Oh, yeah. Like I don't hate mayonnaise. Like I like tuna salad, which has mayo in it. Mm-hmm. But like pasta salad with mayo or like broccoli. Like I don't like mayonnaise salads. Like I'm that. with you that. Like I don't like a potato salad that's all mayonnaise. Yeah, like German potato salad would be good with like the mustard yeah, and vinegar. For sure. I'm but into that. Yeah, I like mayonnaise too. I don't yeah, know. I'm the same way with those salads. Shannon hates mayo, but she loves the mayo broccoli salad at Green Street. Another hmm. hog salt thing. Mm-hmm. Weird. Maybe I should try it there. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, 
Yeah, like the deli counter broccoli salad yeah. with mayo and cheddar. Like that just is like the one thing that comes to my mind when I'm like, what do I hate? <laughs> that is a good specific answer. It's mm-hmm. very specific. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite cocktail? Oh, man. I haven't drank in a cocktail in a long time. I actually really like uh, a 50-50 gin and vermouth. That's my go-to. Is it? That's mm-hmm. your go-to cocktail? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you? How is that prepared? Hmm. You just take Eagle Parts gin and dry. No, vermouth. I know that, it's but so, like, is it in a chunk yeah, glass? Yeah, you know, you, so I like mine so it's stirred, and then I like to have it in a rock glass with mm. ice. I like a lemon twist, and sometimes I do a lemon twist and an olive. Ooh, I would like that. And uh, it's just so good. Also, and it's so simple. It, it protects against the bartender because depending on where you're at, they're just basically Eagle Parts. Put it on ice for me. Even if they understood it, yeah. it's going to get to the dilution point at some point anyway. That's funny because I think about that too. It's like, I don't want to like put this team through all this. I don't know. I don't yeah. want like a 50 element like type yeah. of cocktail that they have to shake or whatever. But but it's also like at home, it's so easy because we always have vermouth and um, yeah. And you're not drinking like, like I love a martini and I like a Vesper, but then I'm not drinking like just straight booze either yeah so. exactly it's like low, but Danny, you hate equal part cocktails I, that's <gasps> the one i love wow I guess. okay wow. and there are some exceptions the you armor. have to try it yeah all right <laughs> um what is one thing what's that <laughs> sorry ellie had one question to oh, ask but sure. just remind me, me to ask it yeah no let's just ask you right now what do you got um who makes the best croissant in the city <gasps> wow oh my gosh that's a loaded question i really like Dan, he moved from Soho House, Dan the Baker. Dan the Baker, yeah. I think his croissants, his everything is so good. Where can you get his croissants You can now, now get his, he does a Friday, Saturday, Sunday drop online, and he's at the Emily Hotel. Um, which formerly I, Ace Hotel. Formerly the Ace Hotel. And he oh. does, everything is consistent. It changes pretty frequently. But I actually am like the person who just wants a plain croissant. Yeah. Or like maybe a chocolate croissant, but usually just like a regular Plain, yeah. good. And he does such a good job. All right, cool. Glad uh, we asked. Will you brave yeah. the West Loop traffic to I might have get your to. wife? For sure. Where are you guys? <laughs> We're in Humboldt Park. Humboldt Park. But yeah, going to near Tim and park near Elskine parking is like, ugh. I'll give you my garage You know, clicker. it's actually easier now, <laughs> which is it's easier for short-term parking because they just changed it over to two-hour metered parking. Oh, okay. So there's nobody on the street anymore because oh, now, nice. now they charge. So okay, it's cool. actually not too bad. But All right. It's yeah. good to And there are more parking garages. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question. What's one thing that's always in your refrigerator? And actually, let's go in Highland Park oh. and in Chicago. Okay. I feel like... Like, what do we have in our Chicago refrigerator? And what yeah. do we have in our Highland Park refrigerator? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we still have the apartment above Elska, which is like, I would say there's three jars of Jardinera in our Chicago apartment. Mm. And I just cleaned out that fridge, so I know what's in there. There are like, I'm not even exaggerating, I think there were 20 different types of hot sauces mm. in the Chicago apartment. In Highland Park, I'm so sad. It's like all baby food. <laughs> um, we always have whole milk um, and always have coffee. That's <laughs> pretty yeah, much it. Right. Yeah. There you go. Fair enough. Uh, what is your go-to host gift? Oh, I guess like a good bottle of wine would probably be We've it. We've mentioned wine a few times. What are your favorite wines? I don't know. I, I guess like something 
I can't think of anything specific. We'd probably bring something that's not, I feel like not a lot of people like champagne actually, or like bubbly can sometimes be like, not everybody loves that. So I would pick something that's either rosé or like a little orangey, um, but not too crazy. I don't know. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right. And do you want that to be enjoyed while you're there? Or is it a gift that they will enjoy after you've left? Okay, I would normally say they can enjoy it once we leave if they want to because I'm always the host that forgets to open the other person's bottle of wine that they brought. So I'm like, here's a gift you can like. I never expect people to open. Yeah. Is that etiquette? Same. What are you supposed to do? I, I never. Ex- you I shouldn't expect it because it's like weird to also bring something that you're intending for them to pour for you. What if you just uh, showed up with an open bottle? <laughs> <laughs> That's the power. I think it also depends. I think it depends. <laughs> on I tried it. <laughs> You lick the rim. <laughs> yeah. um, it also depends on like good, the dynamic like in that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Like if you're close enough with the person like, and you're like, yeah, I picked up this thing. I think we'd all dig it. Right. And it's pretty cool to open it. Yeah. But I feel yeah, like. The expectations tough. Yeah. I feel like we, we only really hang out with like our close friends anyway now because we're, we never get time off anymore to hang out with new people but yeah i feel like it's Steve there's no Smith is looking for more invites over to your house he's so i wish we could <laughs> he's so <laughs> awesome they're so great we live in the same neighborhood and we like never get to see him but that's the hard part of working yeah. you know our weekends like monday tuesday he's not bitter about it yeah i can tell <laughs> <laughs> we have a date set up with them okay <laughs> uh, all right favorite band or musician oh man God, I should have done my homework. Um, <laughs> man, so David is like so, since I've met him, has like read Pitchfork religiously, like hmm. is so into learning new music. And I'm the person who's like, man, Fugazi's so good. And like, I haven't listened to them in 10 years. And I'm yeah. like, they're so good. And so like, I'm currently into Fugazi again. And like, but that's just, you know, that's the music I like. So I love you know, I like the fall and wire and that kind of stuff. But I'm trying to get into some new genres. But I am too, and it's not working. I, I just, just listen to the same shit. Yeah, I think we're all the same. Yeah, I'm being comfort. Yeah, props to David for doing that, keeping up. Yeah, because I read some article that was like, it's very rare. Like that you reach a certain like age and you actually like don't. It's like a scientifically proven thing yeah. that you don't like new music anymore. Maybe he read that new music will help his golf game. <laughs> he did. You know what he read once that was, um, which I actually like reggae and I he hates it, but he read something that was like reggae is supposed to help your golf swing. He listened to reggae straight for like three months. I was like, you're listening to Toots and the Maytals. Like, Who are you? <laughs> it was so funny. So if it so helps something golf. something to that. Yeah. Hey, David, yeah. I read Changing Diapers. Uh, yeah. really helps with your follow through. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, so doing the dishes in the morning is supposed to be wonderful for your drive. <laughs> JK David, uh, don't so listen to good, this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, he, he will listen to mine, though. He's, he's so going to do it. He does. He, he's so he's proud of me. Of humor. Yeah. All right. Favorite movie? Oh, okay. We're almost at the end. Don't um, worry. There's just 30 more questions. <laughs> I don't. Oh, man. Okay. Favorite movie? Could also be the movie you've seen okay, the most. Okay, this is like my, this is so corny. I love um, You've Got Mail <laughs> with yeah. Tom Cruise and Meg Ryan. And then like. No, no, no. Tom, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Tom Hanks yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so, <laughs> I hate Tom Cruise. <laughs> Who am I? But it is my favorite movie. Yeah, I swear. I just watched one. it. That one. And I also really like, um, yeah, no, I would say that's my favorite. 
Do you know it's a remake of a movie called Shop Around the Corner from 1940? You know, I actually did know that, but I've never watched the original. I never knew that. Neither have I. (laughs) (laughs) Nora Nora Ephron does it better. (laughs) Cool. All right. And then our last question. If you weren't doing this, not this podcast, if you weren't doing what you're doing for a career, (laughs) what would you be doing? That has changed so much the older I've gotten. I think... I think recently I'm like actually considering like how fun it would be to go back to school for my master's in art. Like I I actually really think maybe one day I'll do that. And then also having kids, I never considered myself like a kid person, quote unquote, but like I've always been like the dog person, I think. But having kids, I'm like, oh my God, I just love it so much. And like dropping them off every day at school, it's I just love being engaged with not only my kids, but the other kids and the teachers. And I could see myself being like an art teacher or something I think would be really fun. Or even, I don't know, just some sort of teacher. I just love it. It's so it's so wonderful. And I would like, five years ago, I would never think I would say that. But yeah, I could do that. Is Henry doing any kind of art drawing at home yet? Mm, he does. He He's seems to be, he is, he's only two plus a couple months but um he definitely has my tendency to like group things not that i have like ocd but i really like like, organizing yes like i very much Mm. like colors to go together and like shapes to like i like things very clean and tidy and he's very much like that too and he loves like for a young kid yeah he's very thoughtful i think and loves buildings and building with blocks since he could start doing it so he's very much of that um mindset which is sweet um and definitely more he's getting more into drawing but um benny our our baby is like more into music i think or like Mm. more um like his surroundings are more interesting yeah he's reading pitchfork every day with david (laughs) and like just you know (laughs) new album from big thief is like you know loves it But yeah, you, it's weird though being a parent. Like you don't want to push. Um, if my parents have taught me anything, it's like you don't want to push anything onto your kids, but you yeah. also want to like have the opportunities open. Yeah, yeah. Let them I wear the push. Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still rock that. Yeah. I do so too good. most days actually. I mean, yeah, shit. I like it. <laughs> Got me. Bunch of old punkers. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a wrap on Anna Posey. Um, Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And that concludes our conversation with Anna Posey of Elska. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to check us out on social media at Joiners Pod on Instagram for exclusive content. Cocktails from Danny Shapiro, famed barkeeper. (laughs) Barkeeper? (laughs) Bartender? Yeah. Barkeep. Yeah, barkeep. (laughs) Is that what you prefer to be called? Yeah, bar dude bar dude yeah that's what your linkedin said it used to say bar dude i was like christiana saying fixer yeah and then the part i think like no like, one liked cut it. it out no they didn't care but i just printed ten thousand business cards <laughs> <Yeah>. bar dude <laughs> this episode was produced by matt haddock music by captain cuts and reels by the one and only joe guzzo thank you for listening we'll see you next week mm-hmm.